0: You're listening to Decoding Healthcare Innovation with Carrie Nixon and Rebecca Gwilt, a podcast for novel and disruptive healthcare business leaders seeking to transform how we receive and experience healthcare. Welcome back to Decoding Healthcare Innovation. I'm your co-host, Rebecca Gwilt, partner at Nixon Gwilt Law. In the last episode, we talked about that essential next step that digital health founders have to take after they create their revenue model and sort of build their product. And that's selling, selling their solutions, especially when it comes to big buyers like health systems. If you missed episode 41, go back now and check it out. So you'll be all caught up for part two of our discussion with the executive vice president of the Merit Group, Tom Rice, and Merit Group's director of healthcare, Erica Urban. The recent survey the Merit Group put together that collected information from healthcare CIOs on their buying habits is really essential information for digital health innovators. In the last episode, we learned about the main influencers for CIOs when it comes to evaluating solutions like conferences, paid media, social media, podcasting. And I think there were some pretty surprising results. We're diving back into our discussion where we left off, which was KOLs. If you don't know, KOLs are key opinion leaders. Now let's rejoin the conversation. Okay, so my next question is going to be, about something related to social media, and I'm going to say the word KOLs, which I have learned are key opinion leaders. Can you talk a little bit just about what a KOL or an influencer is for folks that aren't familiar?
1: Yeah, uh, key opinion leaders or KOLs are typically clinicians or physicians who have developed, you know, stellar credentials in the medical field. They're they've been out there and they've you know done some amazing some amazing work. They're usually pretty prominent at the healthcare conferences that Aaron talked about. They author numerous articles and peer-reviewed journals on their particular level of interest. They're very important as they can amplify the science associated with a company solution and lend a, a company a lot of credibility You know, in front of the health system CIO when it comes to the, the sales process. We've had a number of clients that use KOL successfully. Um, they can be found in article searches. If you go out and, uh, in terms of how to find them, they can be found from just asking your network for referrals, certainly by attending their speaking engagements. Or just browsing, you know, social media content and research specific forums. And then to your question in terms of the best way to utilize KOLs in terms of reaching the the, the CIOs, I think you know, number one is speaking at events. You know, when putting together submissions for speakers at Key Industry Events, you know, you need to include your KOLs on the strategic panels that you know will help educate your attendees on the problems your solution addresses. You can also put forth you know solo submissions for your KOL. To build our eminence of, you know in terms of your area of focus. The second way I would say is, is educating marketing and sales, you know bringing them into your to your company meetings, your sales trainings, your marketing summits. The KOLs really should be at the top of those agendas to educate your teams on the core issues that you know, your solution addresses for patients. I mean they're going to be the best way to, to break it down to the most simplistic level. In terms of other uh, marketing ways, I mean certainly a, as you have videos or webinars, Similar speaking events, you know, bringing KOLs into uh, the videos, and webinars you 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 create to educate health system CIOs on those kind of real data points can add a lot of credibility. And then certainly when it comes to social media, I mean, again, that's it should be a, a smaller part, probably your overall marketing strategy, but you know, part of your social media strategy to be to be to boost the profile of your KOLs and also leverage you know the content they are creating on your channels, and that, again, that'll uh, should enhance your overall company credibility. And then finally, you know, in terms of publishing articles, you know, in addition to the the journals that your KOL is already submitting to, there's a wealth of other contributor article opportunities out there at the publications, like Aaron mentioned. So you could submit your KOL for an article, or create like a joint submission from your KOL and a key company subject matter to get a nice placement in a in a publication like that. So yeah, that's 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 uh, the key points I would bring up there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean this this looked first of all that was. Pause, listener. Rewind. Listen again. Write all that down. That was jam packed, <laughs> full of really, um, really actionable things that you could do. I, I, I will just say that this seems pretty huge. This is a ninety percent, statistic in this in this report that ninety percent of your buyers are very or somewhat influenced by KOLs and influencers. So this seems like a really good use of these companies' time is sort of developing these relationships and leveraging them. Yeah, the other the other piece that that was sort of jumped out to me as super important is that videos and case studies and um, your website and webinars, things that Tom just mentioned, that those are the most impactful content. Aaron, how how should companies think about leveraging these things? Is it important to have variety? Should they focus only on the most impactful?
2: You know, what is the, what is the, what is the
0: approach that the company should take?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's it's always important to have um, or leverage a variety of vehicle marketing vehicles in your strategy. I mean, sure, we know from the survey results that CIOs like videos. That was one of the statistics we pulled out. So we know videos are particularly effective. But you know, if we put a little thought behind this, why is that? What about all of these pieces of content that can make them resonate with CIOs? Well, I think it's a few things. The first being that the reason why we think CIOs like videos is because they're short, they're digestible, they're engaging. So if you can make short case studies and an engaging website and webinars that um, are engaging and digestible, you know, CIOs are humans. We all have such a short attention span. So if you're going to try to get your information about your technology solution in front of them, you need to do it quick and you need to um you need to do it in an exciting and engaging way. So I think there's that. And another important sort of through line into using all of this content effectively is demonstrating ROI in all of it. Again, it's tough economic times. CIOs, you know, I mean, health Hospitals, rather, I mean, last year had one of the worst years on record. They're they're struggling, and you know, if you're going to invest in the technology, you need to know that you're going to get your, you know, you need to know that ROI. So, I think those are the two things that you need to keep in mind, no matter what content vehicle you're using, whether it's video, website. Again, to keep it short, digestible, engaging. White papers, we know, didn't perform very well. I think it's just not exactly a, a. Content type that's resonating well—it's just maybe too much, a little bit too dry for um, CIOs right now, and then also demonstrating that ROI is another way to make you know, any piece of content uh, more impactful.
0: Yeah, as as I'm as I'm listening to all of this, it seems um, it seems like it's easy for it seems like it would be easy for a for one of your clients for 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 companies, especially early stage companies, to become pretty overwhelmed with the amount of options and the amount of channels that there are and the amount of content they have to produce and make sure that's sort of spoken in their voice and has you know is accurate it's it, this is a lot right like the big picture sort of PR and media media strategy seems like a good amount to to take on what is this what does this look like practically for a company are they is this a, is what kind of lift is this as they're you know building their product and they're trying to get investors and they are, you know, troubleshooting all the things that regular businesses do from a finance perspective and hiring and all of that. Uh, what does this look like to take on a strategy like this on top of all that?
2: Well, I can jump in here. I mean, maybe this is self-serving, but I think this is where working with an agency partner is really valuable. You know, um... oh, I swear I didn't set that up for that, <laughs> oh, but, that but but but. <laughs> Right. But,
0: but go me. Okay. Yeah. But yes, I hear you. I,
2: uh, you know, I think the goal of all agency partners is, you know, or uh, certainly what we do with all of our customers is at the beginning is making sure that we're aligned on, you know, our key messaging. And sometimes we do entire messaging projects with our clients to reestablish what are our key pillars and or that we want to be aligning all of these activities to. Other times we join forces with clients that have maybe already put some thought into that and we um, make sure that we're all on the same page. And then, you know, it's really your agency partner's job to um, have, you know, their hands in a million different things or moving in a million different directions. I mean, we know how to juggle all of these things at the same time. And so, um, you know, is there is there uh, is there like a percent
0: of budget that that makes sense like how how if I was start if I was starting up a company and I said, okay, well here's my legal budget and here's my uh uh you know uh, payroll budget and here's my development budget and here's my travel budget and here's my media budget. How how should companies be thinking about setting aside money when they put together their pro forma for media? Because I've seen them I've seen the amount set aside wildly range. Yeah. Um especially for direct to consumer companies. Yep. As opposed to B two B companies, but do you, do you ever talk to clients about that when they're they come to you and they say, well, I don't know, like I don't know what is how much we need for where we are?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, um, Aaron. I'll let you. Ch- sorry, I'll let you chime in too. I mean, I, I I wouldn't say that on the media side we get that too much. I think on the broader marketing side, which media falls out of, typically we see anything from you know a five to ten percent. That's kind of some some industry standards, but that's that's typically what what we point to.
2: Okay. I love that. Hard numbers. Yeah. I think what I would add is just that it's uh, it's not necessarily, um, I don't know, size of company to marketing spend. It's really what you have to work with. I mean, I think that's what the questions we ask, you know, when we're betting a new client to work with. It's, well, let's talk about what we have to work with and what we can build this program around in terms of, what you have in terms of case studies that we can leverage in the media, who you have for KOLs already, you know, a big company with no KOLs is going to be challenging to build a media program around, whereas maybe a small, com- smaller company with, uh, you know, a sizable amount of KOLs for the company, uh, we can do more with or a more compelling story. So anywho, all this to say, I don't think it's squarely si- company size, sure. marketing size. size. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's helpful.
0: So, okay. So, so given all of this sort of the results of this study, how has this, if, if at all changed how you advise your clients, Tom, are there, um, are, are you modifying your sort of tried and true uh, strategies? Did you learn something that that's going to, you know, uh, be more effective than what you thought before we were, was any of this surprising to you?
1: yeah I mean it's it's a great question. I, I would say it confirmed a lot of our of our thinking, honestly and our current recommendations to our clients. you know, it's still about having a balance, I think and and not going you know all in on just you know one or two channels. it's it's having some prioritization there. I think you know as it pertains to CIO, as we mentioned, you know we're seeing a gravitation right now toward more traditional channels, honestly, than, you know so but there still needs to be diversification. I think you can't take this you know the results of this survey and say, hey, media, you know, that's, that's all we need to focus on right now. You still have to have a focus on all these areas. So it is about just having some prioritization in all these, um, all these channels. So socially is certainly a, a lower priority, but still deserves some focus, especially LinkedIn. I think, you know, long form content like white papers clearly are as popular as they used to be, but maybe instead of doing six a year, doing like one or two and just do them really, really well. So they are going to have an impact, but I think certainly when it comes to to content, prioritize you know those shorter forms of content like video, and you know video is always part of our recommendations, and that was you know I think proven you know pr- to be true. Kind of that came out of these these results.
0: Yeah, definitely variety was was an impression that I got. Variety being important, and then and yeah, I, I guess video. I um, it's just so much harder pr- to produce. It's so much harder to produce. I'm sure there's like a big groan. Across the you know the listener population, but 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 you know I can tell that I prefer to watch a, a video on a on a client website about how their how their product works. It used to be that you didn't have that; you had to set up a demo and you had to schedule a meeting and you had to sit down and that they would show you the product. And uh, frankly, now there's two minute you know two minute videos on a lot of these websites that are just made from existing technology that you know has all of the graphics and everything. You sort of tell up what to do. the The lift seems lower and it, it, it is than it used to be, and and it is, at least for me, as a buyer of tech for my firm and my and the podcast, it's it's certainly compelling to me. It feels like it saves me some time.
1: Yeah, we're, we're seeing clients, you know, certainly the, the power of a well-produced, slick video goes a long way, but we're seeing, you know, uh, the industry move toward, you know, less produced videos, more kind of off the cuff, maybe not something where you're just holding an iPhone in front of you, but Things that are, TikTok? you know, easy to produce, right?
0: You're doing a lot of TikTok these days?
1: <laughs> that's that's definitely part of it, right? Yeah. I'm not sure the, the CIOs will go there, but that's, yeah, certainly that's that's part of the mix, right?
2: Yeah, we heard a lot last week about at the conference about you know, everyone being excited about TikTok, certainly not a corner of TikTok, despite being a healthcare technology marketer for years, I'm not in healthcare technology marketing. TikTok mainly just dogs on my feed, but that's, right. that's but, right. No, it's the future. who knows? Who knows what healthcare IT and technology TikTok will look like in a few months or years? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, better
0: to be um, better to be mindful and ready to pivot when when needed. So, okay. So uh, the other thing I'm curious about, and and I don't know if you all were in attendance at health uh, in the fall, but there was a lot of discussion about how health systems and uh, payers are sort of overwhelmed by the number of solutions that are coming at them, that are being marketed to them. And that, that there was some sort of, there was a feeling that there were other buyers that people needed to, that companies needed to start thinking about. I heard, um, ed- Education is a, get, is going to be a, a new buyer for for health tech, sports franchises, things like that. Employers and health plans and health systems are always going to be big, big, um, big buyers. But 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 I'm interested in your thoughts about how the insights that you got specifically from the health system CIO population is going to translate to other buyers of healthcare tech. Yeah. Do you think it'll be same? Do you think there'll be nuances?
2: Yeah, I can jump in here. Well, I think because the survey was quite high level, a lot of these insights do carry across buyers. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to see demonstrated ROI before they invest. I mean, that's understandable. And I think the insights about you know short content being effective, I think you know at a human level, no matter what sort of type of company you're working in again we all have short attention spans so i think that that translates to a degree but yeah i mean for large employers many of whom are making big cuts or doing big layoffs right now it's hard to go out on a limb and purchase a new health technology that may improve your healthcare offerings if you don't know it's more of a sure bet in terms of roi Obviously, the conversation is very different with health plans who, you know, in contrast to, again, health systems, which are many ending the year or ended last year in the red and struggling, you know, mightily, you know, many health plans are seeing continued record profits. So if you have a technology that you can sell into health plans, that's that's good strategy. That's good business um, because they, you know, unlike health systems probably have more money to spend. so
1: Yeah, I, I would add on to that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, certainly there's some, there's some great healthcare marketing and, and PR going on out there right now. Certainly, you know, there's, you know, it, beyond certainly our clients, of course, it, it, in the broader industry. But I think that, um, you know, with the feedback you heard at, at health, I think there's a lot of just kind of maybe just folks going from a generic playbook out there in terms of healthcare marketing. So it is really about, you know, getting in there and understand your buyer, like, like this report really, really gets to understand the CIO and whether it's your, your buyer is, you know, at an employer or at a, a sports organization, really understand that specific buyer and, you know, in that, in that sector and getting to where, how they tick, you know, where they get their information from, how they like to be, you know, marketed and sold to that's really, I think the, the job of, of marketing folks is really get in there and understanding that specific buyer.
0: Yeah, and, spe- and speaking of marketing, so um, sort of raising conversation sort of from a 10,000-foot view, we already know TikTok is the future. Sure, sure. What, what else is changing sort of in general in the world of healthcare marketing? Um, any, uh, any secrets that you can
2: share? Yeah, I think one topic that's hot right now and hot universally is um, the rise of ChatGPT. Um, oh yes, a lot of talk last week about what Chat GPT is going to mean in terms of content marketing and, the um, you know, the creation of a huge volume of new content and whether Google is going to be able to differentiate between, you know, well-written human content versus Chat GPT and, you know, how we need to entirely rethink our strategy. I think. The jury's still out on what this will really mean. You know, I, I think what, you know, the people that I was with last week seem to agree is that, you know, chat and GPT isn't going to totally take over the need for well-written content, but who knows? I mean, this is a conversation that's really only sort of popped up in the last I, month and a half or so, um, so you know, to be determined on, on what this really means for marketers. I, I have spent way too much time
0: this since the beginning of 2023, asking questions of chat GBT. I'm like blown away and I absolutely believe that content marketing is going to change in some way. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in whether, so you seem to be saying that chat GBT, that if you, for instance, if you did content marketing, that, that, you would want to make sure that Google's algorithms recognize you as a person. If they recognize you as not a person, they might push you down in the in the SEO. Exactly. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Because I'm just wondering if ChatGPT is going to make Google a- obsolete altogether. Oh, okay.
1: I mean, that's why, yeah, Google's going to get in the game too, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to invite you back in a year, um, First, to give us an update. Cause I think this tech is moving really, really fast. Yeah. Big time. Um, okay. So, so this has been a really insightful discussion. I am so glad we got to some practical tactical tips. I think, uh, the last thing that I will ask is in your opinion, what can, what can digital health companies do right now today to, uh, supercharge their success?
1: Yeah. And I'll start and Aaron, I'll, I'll turn to you. I mean, for me, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's really sitting down and developing those buyer personas and understanding how your specific buyer ticks. I mean, I think if if you're looking for it to kind of go with the more of an elephant gun approach in terms of what's going to work for the broader healthcare technology market, it, it's just not going to resonate. It's really getting down to that buyer specific level.
2: Yeah. I think my thought would be, to, to get out there. I mean, I'm a firm believer in thought leadership, have something to say and have something new and different to say. Um, I think that's one surefire way to supercharge your success, stand out in the market is to bring new, edgy, different insights to the market. That's that's how you stand out. Love it. Love it. Okay. Well, Tan and Aaron, thank you so
0: much for spending time with me today to break this down. Where can our listeners go to learn more about about you both and about Merit Group?
1: Yeah, so uh meritgrp.com, uh backslash twenty twenty three dash health tech dash marketing dash guide, and that's the, how to how to get to the the link itself. We'll send that to you as well, Rebecca, so you can put it on the uh, yeah.
0: Well, absolutely. I've got it. We'll include it in the show notes so people can click on it. Um, And uh, if they're interested in a conversation with one or both of you about uh, the work that you do, uh, where should they go?
1: Yeah, there's a contact us link on the uh, on the website, meritgrp.com, or uh, certainly they could email one of us. My email is rice at meritgrp.com.
0: Wonderful. Okay. well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your week and uh, do wait for me to ask you back a year from now to talk
2: about the AI chatbots.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having us on, Rebecca.
2: Thank you so much, Rebecca. This is great. Thank you for listening to
0: Decoding Healthcare Innovation. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to find out more about Carrie, me, or Nixon Guilt Law, go to nixonguiltlaw.com or click the links in the show notes.